Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I hit the ball first time, and there it was in the back of the net. Motivation, yeah. motivation, motivation, the three M's. That's, that's perverse. In, in a football field, with kids watching. Ladies and gentlemen, England will be playing 4 4 f***ing 2. And that boy is out to take a penalty. Eight bloody one. I'm just saying to the colleague, referee's got me the sack. Thank you ever so much for that, won't you? Hello and welcome to Beyond the Touchline, the football podcast that's not actually about football. Jacques Derrida said that beyond the touchline there is nothing, but simply by virtue of being a philosopher that was talking about football, he was contributing to something. That something is football culture, and that's what this podcast is here to discuss. The film, TV, books, games, music, comics, toys, and anything else that helps to make sense of the game we love. This time around, we're going to be looking at the classic late 90s Nickelodeon sitcom, Renford Rejects. But who are we? Well, I'm Seb Patrick, a bespectacled goalkeeper with a collection of bad teenage poetry and philosophy football shirts. And on my virtual left, we have a smooth-talking midfield maestro who confuses the locals by wearing the replica shirts of a team from the opposite end of the country, David Hartrick. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Brighton and Hove Albion, not Hull City, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've kind of done it in the reverse direction, yes, haven't you? Yes, I have, um, yeah. Dave, if you were forming a five-a-side team made up of your mates from school, what would it be called? My school was a war zone. I did not go to a good school. (laughs) So I don't know if you remember, but a while ago there was that BuzzFeed... uh, I don't know if it was BuzzFeed, but one of those silly things where how many points you get is how posh your school was. And it was out of 125. And I got a friend to do it as well, just to double-check. And uh, Rastrick High School scored two points out of 125. So it would have to be something like, unfortunately, the Brawlers <laughs> or something down that line because, yeah, we. I had a very interesting life at secondary school that I couldn't possibly go into on a football culture podcast. 
Okay, well, maybe one day we'll we'll hear a bit more about that. Uh, meanwhile, on my virtual right, we have a virtuoso striker with an absolutely outrageous accent that surely nobody in their right mind would ever believe was genuine. It's Dennis Hurley. Hello, and thank you for that that excellent <laughs> intro. Um, I wish I wish I were a virtuoso striker in uh, a seven season schoolboy <laughs> football career. I was more like Rob Jones in that I played fullback and never scored. <laughs> Uh, well, Dennis, uh, what colour kit would your five-a-side team oh, wear? Oh, that's a good one. Um, some combination of uh, blue, white and red, just because those three colours together um, make for the best football kits. Don't at me. <laughs> yes, by by which you mean uh, the, the kit that the USA had just before the 94 Absolutely. World Cup that was yeah, the white kit with the red and blue three stripes France's on the shoulder. Our Euro 84 kit, our... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Crystal Palace sash kit yeah, Bayern Munich kits before their fans got all uppity and decided they didn't want any blue on it yeah didn't want the blue on it. Um, yeah, when I when I was a kid, and I think this was, yeah, this would have been primary school age. And when I, I don't know if anybody else ever did this thing, but like you invent a, a fictional football team to like make up stories of like you and your friends playing in, and then obviously computer computer games came along and let you actually <laughs> do that in a computer game. But I remember doing that in school because we were like going to do a Roy the Rover style make our own comic. And I based the team's kit on, I had discovered the Crystal Palace sash kit through a Sabutio team that a friend had. And I thought this was the best kit ever. So from then on, my fictional team's colours were always blue and red yeah. and white. It's hard to argue so, with the logic. I agree with you on that. <laughs> uh, so as I mentioned at the start, um, we are going to look at Renford Rejects. But before that, as a warm-up question, we always like to do a warm-up question. As we record this episode, it's early June and there's finally a glimmer of footballing hope on the horizon after these long weeks and months without. Um, but what I want to know is, in that time, aside from the football itself, because this is beyond the touchline after all, what is the thing that you've missed the most about football? Uh, Dave, I'll come to you first. I I've thought long and hard about this question um, because I, for instance, I've watched an awful lot of snooker. That there's been no crowd in. I've watched a lot of the Bundesliga, and I've been trying to sort of work out where in my affections the football is compared to a day out at the football. And I I know it's probably not the answer that this question requires, but I've realised that the actual football is is surprisingly high up there for me. I've always sort of <laughs> prided myself on not letting the football get in the way of a good day out at the football, particularly being a Brighton fan, because, to be frank, there's been more bad days than than good but i i realize that it's it's just the whole it's the emotional spectrum of it because what people who haven't been watching the bundesliga or, or other sport will realize very quickly is that without a crowd um it removes a sense of consequence from the game so a player can miss and it doesn't feel like it means anything. Whereas when you have that crowd in there and that that hum, that that you know, if I'm doing a town game, it, we call it the Galfram groan. <laughs> it it means something. It puts a value on every action. And and I've really missed that sort of ninety minutes. I mean, even as a neutral doing Huddersfield town games or working on other games across the north, you can't. You you may not realise it, but you nearly always get 
sort of brought into the context of a game somehow. You you, if nothing else, you will decide there's a bad guy, and <laughs> if if that's your only sort of point of interest in the game that they lose or that something bad or embarrassing happens to them, that's you've still bought into it. And I think that, I think what I'm missing is that that sort of level of emotion and I, I like without getting too deep I've, I've often wondered what people who don't like sport where they get that sort of level of emotion from you know like England winning the Cricket World Cup I'm not a massive cricket fan but that Sunday was one of the most sort of deeply emotional days of my life it was an absolute roller coaster and I you know, I don't know if people, these people get it from music or art or somewhere else, but it, I've realised there's a there's a hole in my emotional spectrum there at the moment, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to football coming back. I'm even more looking forward to playing again. I'm I'm missing as somebody who's played football for teams from the age of sort of five, and is still shambling around a pitch twice a week at the age of forty one. I I'm absolutely bereft without a kick about but yeah I'm just I'm missing the sort of emotional consequence in watching a a, a normal in horrible air quotes proper game of football and I don't think we're going to get that for a while but I think we'll all acclimatise somehow and get enough of a kick from it Dennis, how about you? Please, please tell me that that you're not just going to say the game itself as well, because you, you know we're going to undermine the entire pre. As lovely an answer as that was, Dave, we're going to undermine the entire premise. I told of the you it wouldn't be the answer you wanted. Yeah, I was, I was about to say I can't give anywhere near as eloquent an answer as that. Uh, funnily enough, you mentioned England winning the Cricket World Cup. Uh, that was three days after my son had been born, but I was following that and the Wimbledon final on Twitter basically on the phone in the hospital ward well, I think was the British Grand Prix on that day as well <laughs> yes yeah, it was it was, it it was, was a real definitely. super Sunday of sport um, mm. and it was a couple of one the likes of which we, we likely won't see for yeah. a long time no. um, and there was a couple of big hurling games on here as well so it uh, it, it all kind of came together uh, and I couldn't watch any of it live but anyway um, in, in terms of what I miss I, I suppose I've a two-pronged answer because uh, my job is to cover Cork City games here in Ireland and then obviously I consume the Premier League as an armchair fan. Uh, so domestically, I just miss driving. Well, see, I don't, I don't miss the away games because I come back so late, but just driving usually to Dublin on a Friday afternoon uh, for a Cork City away game and getting there at about five or half five for a... Uh, quarter day kick off and just you know eating my homemade chicken and pasta dinner in the car and congratulating myself on not getting fast food and then just sitting in the press box for about an hour or hour and a half beforehand just looking forward to the uh, game the, do you know they, this i know i know this is an incredibly niche answer for because i know yeah. the majority of our listeners don't work in the game but the, the, me and Dan Story talk about this a lot. The the feeling of being in an empty football ground and watching it fill up around you from a press box is just for me one of the the best things in the world. It's just absolutely brilliant. It's a it's a feeling that I think 
some of the journalists who I won't name, who we all know have got to the point where they don't like football and everything's an inconvenience and what have you. As soon as you lose that sense of wonder for that alone, I think you're done. Yeah. It's just brilliant, that Dennis, you bang on. Um, like uh, My, my favourite groan to do that is probably Daily Mount Park, which is about a year or two away from being knocked down and completely rebuilt. And it is, you know, it has seen far better days, but it's still a lovely place to go and just like you say they just watch it fill up on a sunny evening because mm-hmm. uh, we have a summer season here um well probably don't have any season this year but and then just in terms of 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 english football um it's just kind of reading good journalism about it you know like mm-hmm. on a on a monday like monday is probably the the most structured work day in my week and that i have to go to an office and I like to kind of take my 11 o'clock break and get a cup of tea and just read uh, winners and losers on Football 365 and read like the European football roundup on The Guardian, you know, just so I can feel kind of, um, I would say, educated, like, or, you know, um, discerning by, by reading something beyond um, what's going on in England. And then just a day or two before an Arsenal game, I like to go onto the Arsenal website and they... <laughs> They publish uh, the colours that are going to be worn, which kits each team and the goalkeepers and the referee will wear. And it's just a small little pleasure in my life. <laughs> That's the most Dennis Hurley thing I've ever heard. In my life. You have said that quite a lot over the course of this podcast. <laughs> you just keep out Dennising yourself. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, I do. Yeah. None more Dennis. Um, my answer to this is that I, more than anything, I'm missing Five Live. Um, I, oh yeah. I've, I mean, there's, there's kind of, and there's kind of two sides to this. And um, one side, and the side that surprises me more, is the podcast side of it, which um, I, I'm one of the people who, um, after the kind of the great Richardson split podcast war, um, I kind of found myself after initially you know going okay i'll listen to both of them um finding that that was just too much football podcast for a given week and more and more i was finding myself not actually bothering to listen to either of the the two infamous split podcasts um and i found myself this season my favorite football podcast started to be the five live football daily um, I think the mixture of people that they have on, and, and, and what surprises me is that there are there are ex players on that who I've never had any time for when they're on TV, who just come alive on the radio, and I think the dynamic works really well. So I found myself particularly on a Monday, and then I think on a Tuesday when they do the, the Monday Night Club um, podcast version, those would tend to be like my, my go-to listens first thing in the morning on a commute. So so that surprised me in and of itself. But more than that, I miss Five Live, the station, as a comforting background presence because I'm I'm a bit weird <laughs> in that I'm not great at watching football that I'm not personally invested in. Um, you know, I, I, I will, but I don't... I, unlike a lot of people, I don't go out of my way. Um, I don't tend to find the time in a weekend, because of various other commitments and things on, to actually sit down and watch games featuring teams that aren't my team. Um, and, you know, even on Match of the Day, I won't always watch the whole thing. Um, I feel very differently about the radio, 
Um, if I'm going out for a walk or if I'm, you know, going out for a run or if I'm going to the shops or if I'm going like traveling on a train or whatever but, um, at the weekend, if there is a live game on Five Live, it doesn't matter who's playing. It doesn't matter how long ago it kicked off. I will listen to that above pretty much anything else i will happily listen to whatever game happens to be on particularly on like a sunday afternoon i used to walk to the station and go and renew my travel card and like i'd just listen to whatever game was on um and i really miss just you know because obviously i know five live is still there but it's not there like i you know i'm not that interested in listening to five lives programs about things i i miss live football on five live as the most comforting background presence i think it's possible to have in your life and i can't wait to get that back the only thing is i mean i don't know how football is going to sound on the radio without crowd noise because you know it's one thing on tv but i think Mm -hmm. on the radio i think what radio will have in its favor is that commentators are used to not stopping talking um and something that might become a problem with televised football where televised commentators are used to leaving gaps I don't think will be a problem on the radio, but what is that comforting background presence going to sound like when it is just the commentators' voices? I don't know, but you know, I will look forward to hearing it. Yeah, yeah, because on the radio, you'll always know if it's a goal or not a goal a split mm. second before the commentator be yeah. able to say it by the crowd. Yeah, but it, 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 I've noticed like the thing about the Bundesliga is it's very formal and they're crowds are quite different um to us they get emotionally invested in a different way to our crowds mm. and i think our football is genuinely i think gonna suffer more than most because as somebody who has you know over the last probably 15 years really grazed on most levels and regions of european football to one degree or another there is I mean, it's such a cliche thing to talk about, but a British crowd is very different. There is something different about the level of emotional investment in there. And it's it's not always a good thing. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'm not painting it as a good thing, but it, it's going to be... I think it's going to be tougher than you think to sit down and, and, you know... I had a sneaky peek at a proposed schedule of games, and we have got all of the football coming at us uh, for mm-hmm. about six weeks trust me just more football than even the, the most devout addict can handle but it's going to be very different it's going to feel very different and i think seb i think that's stuff like five live is where you're really gonna feel the i th- i think you're gonna feel the difference more i think the commentators will cope better but it's just it's it's that that hum that is not there you know that like you say that sort of that rise just before a goal and all these sort of little nuances that i think we're really going to miss and i just you know i just hope and pray we get crowds back at some point early in the new year i can't see it before then but yeah it would be nice to think Mm. we can at least finish next season in front of something approaching a crowd i think would be good and if that if that does happen, no matter what point next season is at, 
um, Liverpool should be allowed to to lift the Premier League trophy in front of a crowd. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> Have a retrospective I, I, presentation. If they win this season's one, of course. <laughs> if they win this season's one, it is still very up in the air. I don't. I genuinely, I don't disagree with that, Seb. I think that's. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a genuine. It, like this season is now weird. <laughs> Whoever <Yeah>. wins, however <laughs> it finishes, it is weird. And I think something like that at least returns a small sense of normality to part of it. So I would be, yeah, I would, I'd absolutely think that would be the right thing to do. To be honest, um, what one of the things I'm looking forward to seeing most is uh, a live Premier League game on the BBC. Like, yeah. It, mm. Yeah, that's going to be. It probably won't be any of the big games, but it'll just be. It, it'll, you know, I think for people of our age, it'll kind of just be a throwback to, you know, <laughs> when when it used to be normal. I I um, suspect though the the viewing figures they're going to get for those games, I honestly think might raise an eyebrow or two at the Premier League. And oh, I'm, they'll 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 be huge, like because. Mm. Um, like even the, the the most nondescript FA Cup fourth round game was getting more than the Champions League final and BT. Yeah. If I'm, if well, I'm I, mistaken, I, like I suspect they're gonna if, get if something is on. Yeah, people I'm, will watch it. Like if if the BBC get even a sort of half reasonable game, or a game featuring I don't know Man United, Liverpool, Newcastle. Or one of the other really well supported clubs. I suspect the Premier mm. League are going to get about six to seven times what they would normally get on Sky, and you would hope that is going to yeah. cause a discussion somewhere to say, you know, why don't we bite the bullet and put four, five, six games a year on free to air, and enjoy the fact that yeah. we've suddenly it, got all these domestic eyes on us. Don't they do that in Germany? Don't they kind of a couple of rounds in the season? They they show they show them on free to air. I think maybe start of the season, end of the season at, at around Christmas time. I d- I honestly don't know, but I mean, can you imagine? Can you genuinely imagine the viewing figures that a Liverpool game against anyone would get on Boxing Day mm. on the BBC? Oh yeah, I mean it. <laughs> it would be absolutely massive, wouldn't it? We can but dream. <laughs> I, I have had, by the way, just just I'm not taking anything for granted. I've had terrifying visions of literally not winning a single one of the nine games and City winning every single one of them. So well, then again, I did have a dream the other night that Arsenal beat City, and so we only needed to to win the derby to do it. So yeah. who knows? <laughs> that that feeling of worrying that you're going to lose every game. Welcome to being a Brighton fan. So it's nice to have you on board. True. Well, speaking of teams who uh, expect to lose every single game in a season, do you, do you see what I did there? Let's let's have an excellent segue onto the main subject of the episode, um, a British sitcom from the late 1990s all about football. It's Renford Rejects. Let's have a listen to a clip and then we'll come back and talk about it. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Remember, football's all about using your brains. You've all got your own individual skills, and now you've got to learn how to use them. That's what Stoker never taught you. You have to learn how to express yourselves. Like him? Yeah. Exactly like him. It's a... It's a... It's a... Bueno, signorina. No, it isn't. It's a girl. It's... It's Robin Walker. He's brilliant. Oh, no way. I know what you're thinking, and the archers know. But look. She's a classy player. And she looks cool. Totally. They'll laugh at us. The whole school will be laughing at us if we have a girl on our team. They're laughing at us already. We're the rejects, remember? The Pagliacci. The school of clowns. Yeah, well, they'll be laughing at us even more. Just let me go and talk to her, OK? Big mistake. Okay, so that was Renford Rejects, a sitcom created by Stephen Bowell, Patrick Buckley and Chris Wilson in 1998, running for four series until 2001. Uh, it was originally made by and for the Nickelodeon channel, uh, which back in those days was, was uh, only available on cable and sky, but it did make its way onto terrestrial TV as well. I think it was part of Channel 4's school holiday programmes. Um, it's about a group of teenagers who, having been rejected by their school team, form a team to enter a five-a-side tournament with the reject name foisted on them by a bitter enemy. They're mostly a hapless bunch, but they usually find a way to succeed in the end, after episodes that present a mixture of football-related jokes and premises and more standard early teen sitcom kind of material. Uh, although in comparison to US-style teen sitcoms, you're, you're saved by the bells and the like, um, there's barely any place for romance-type subplots. 
Uh, the cast members that stay throughout the whole run are Martin Delaney as Team Captain Jason, Charlie Rowland as goalkeeper Ben, and Paul Paris as the fake Italian-accented Bruno Degrady, a.k.a. Barry Grade. In the first series, the team's most talented player is a girl named Robin, played by Holly Davidson. She's replaced by Lucy Punch as Sue in Season 2 and Megan Bertie as Mia in Season 3 and 4. For the first two seasons, the team are coached by the school's permacroft superstar Stuart, played by Matthew Leach. He recovers and joins as a player in Season 3, then leaves for Season 4, where Muhammad George as Dennis takes over as coach. The first two seasons also feature Adam Dean as excessively flash and vain Ronnie, and all four seasons feature Roger Davis as wannabe anchorman Vinny, Alex Norton as the reject's friend, sometime coach and local cafe owner Eddie McAvoy, and Tom Weller as Terry Stoker, long-time archenemy and captain of rival team The Razors. Various current and former footballers appeared in episodes of the show, including Gianfranco Zola, Martin Keown, Ian Rush, Shaka Hislop, Roberto Di Matteo, Casey Keller, Harry Redknapp and the surviving 1966 World Cup winners, while Bob Wilson and Jim Rosenthal also appeared regularly as anchorman. Um, so Renford Rejects is a, is a quite well-loved and remembered show by people of a certain age. I think people who were the, the target audience for it in the late 90s, which I think actually all of us are a little bit past, although I, I do remember it being on at the time. Uh, it is something that people have quite a lot of affection for, um, so I'm mindful that we should maybe tread a bit carefully when we talk about how it came across to us when we all went and watched it for this podcast. And what we did was um, we all went and at least watched the first episode of each of the four series to try and get a, a kind of feel for each of the four series uh, I don't know between us how much we've kind of gone on and watched other little bits as well I, I have you guys might have done as well we'll talk about that as we go along um, but let's let's alienate um, a load of people younger than us by giving our kind of initial impressions on what Renford Rejects was actually like crap <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's me tempering it slightly i just <laughs> I, I i think so i'll leap in first dennis but when you said that the thing was in the 90s you mentioned saved by the bell and we had um saved by the bell was sort of the first of this new wave of american sitcoms for children mm. but we then yeah. had a load of really good ones like california dreaming and hang time and no i'm, I'm going to stop you there dave what we had was we had saved by the bell which was good we had california dreams which was okay for a bit and then we had a load of really really bad ones hang time was excellent <laughs> US, usa high usa high was the was the low point until malibu ca came along which was even worse hang time was excellent <laughs> and i will take no further questions Hang time uh, was boring. But we also, <laughs> anyway. but we'd also had a go in the UK. You know, we had things mm. like Spats, which were genuinely quite funny and quite good. And Dave, the... I don't know if I don't know if you've gone back and watched that one on YouTube. Spats was bad too. I have fond memories of Spats. It was bad. <laughs> I, I, but I think the problem with Renford Rejects is that it is, it it suffers more than anything else and the thing that drove me to distraction is that this is a sitcom sort of supposedly about football that really could have done with somebody who knows about football advising mm. them telling them that that wouldn't happen telling them that's not a thing telling them that doesn't work telling them and i'm not asking for like a level of gritty realism but there's just so many things in it where you're just like no 
that's you're not asking me <laughs> to suspend my disbelief there. You're asking me to throw myself out the window to to get that one by mm-hmm. me, and it's just it. Uh, I mean, we'll go into some of the specifics, and I know I I have been saying to you for weeks on WhatsApp, I hate this drivel. I have <laughs> I've really tried. I have really really tried to find some things that I actually think are okay, and as we go on. There are one or two things that I think are okay, but on the whole, ugh, ne- I'm never watching Renford Rejects again. Once this podcast is <laughs> over, I'm never even going to think about them again. Dennis, <laughs> what do you have to add to that? <laughs> um, well, earlier I had to follow an eloquent answer by David. Um, I don't think I have the same problem this time. Um, but <laughs> overall, my view isn't as, uh, you know, it's... It, it, it's terrible. It really is. Um, <laughs> I think I didn't realise when I watched it as a 12 and 13 year old uh, just how bad it was. Like I have a friend and he says he he if something is bad, he kind of makes to he makes what he calls the pizza comparison that, you know, even if you're having bad pizza, it's still pizza and it's better than <laughs> a lot of other things. Um, and so at the time. I was probably just excited that there was something about football on television, you know, in on weekday afternoons. But, you know, it it's it's so terrible. Like a, a couple of notes I've made were like that there's no character development at all. No. Like if, if you're watching the first episode of season four, the characters are still doing exactly the same stupid fucking things as they were in start of season one. <laughs> And the Razors, their mortal enemies, if anything, have become even more stupid. You know, and they were starting from a fairly low low base. Um, we were talking earlier about ratings for the Premier League on uh, on BBC and on the on the Renford Rejects Wikipedia page. Could be well out of date. It says the show currently plays at night from one fifty a.m. to two forty a.m. on UK Nickelodeon. <laughs> I would love to see the ratings for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that probably is quite an out of date line on on Wikipedia. In fact, it actually says it yeah, twice I, I would in, think the, so. in the opening of the Wikipedia entry. Um, how did you, uh, out of interest, <laughs> Dennis? Um, well, when and where did it air over there, or did you just did you have Sky or whatever and a satellite and did you yeah, get Nickelodeon? Yeah, I had Sky and watched it on Nickelodeon. Um, uh, was was it ninety six or ninety seven? It, it started ninety eight. Yeah. Oh, was it okay? Um, like I'm, I'm fairly sure. Like I, I was watching the episodes as they were new. Cause did, did it start maybe in January? Like and they kind of they oh, were promoting I couldn't tell it you that. <laughs> maybe a bit before Christmas, like for a yeah. couple of weeks. And I was like, oh yes, here's a show. About oh no, football. there we go. Wikipedia does say February twenty third of February ninety eight. February, yeah. yeah. So so say from January they they were promoting it, mm. and I was I was getting excited. Like and it, it's just a real missed opportunity because. You could have made something good and funny-ish, you know, mm. something that would actually engage the viewers. But this was just paint by numbers. Get a couple of guest stars in. Like, how big was their budget that they were able to get famous people on to do cameos, but they couldn't pay scriptwriters? <laughs> you feel like so, there are lines in it. There are there's there's. I'm going to use the word in inverted commas. There are jokes in it, which you feel like they had written the joke. And then went right. How do we write a scene that gives us a setup or a way we can use this instead of doing it the other way around? It was yeah. just, uh, it's just so annoying. Well, like 
the, the very first episode in the first 10 minutes we'll say there are two jokes about Juventus and they're both <laughs> awful yeah. Barry Bruno de Grady says oh I'm the new striker from Juventus he says this while he's wearing an Inter Milan shirt yeah you know <laughs> that's a small thing and it's me noticing it as a nerd but it's 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 a pointless mistake and then they may you know if someone mentions Machiavelli and Jason goes oh Machiavelli didn't they play for Juventus it's like <laughs> Pick another team at least, like yeah. you know, while you're making the most obvious Italian joke you can. Yeah, it's I. There, that's what I mean about having having a, <laughs> a a football inspector there who can just go no, yeah. no, you can't. That that just doesn't work because, like, I know I'm not the target audience for this, and I know that I it really it sort of passed me by when it was actually on. But even if I if I'm twelve year old Dave Hartrick watching this, that wouldn't get by me either, Dennis, because I was you know <laughs> I, I, as we all yeah. were, I was a football obsessive, and that would have wound me up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> you know, it, it, the first shirt we see is a Chelsea away shirt, and he's wearing Barcelona shorts, and we're supposed to think he's <laughs> like this sort of star player who's going to cruise through this this trial. And he does like three or four keepy ups, and then actually misses one, and then just carries Lose on, control, does another yeah. couple, and then just plants the ball into an empty net. And again, it's like that's <laughs> yeah. not that that doesn't make me think what a player this lad is, what an absolute <laughs> star. And it's it's just it's stuff like that that you just go, oh, and, just and those those trials for the school team, yeah. were awful as well. Yeah, and like um, just leaning into so many like stupid cliches, like short-sighted goalkeeper, and yeah. you know the other team just going around trying to break everyone's legs, and it's the you know it's the the teacher's son, the manager's son, and yeah. it's just uh, and and actually, really? like Seb mentioned, um, and it was something I thought of as well. There was no romantic subplots. Well, in the episodes that I saw, maybe there were. They tend to do it for like individual. There's there's occasional episodes, but it's it's your it's your classic thing that you would. I think it's a more almost like an old fashioned kid sitcom thing where like um, the for one episode a female character will be a distraction for one of yeah, the characters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, even, like- even even Jossie's Giants did more in the way of like romance storylines than this did, and that was about younger characters back in the eighties. And like, it's um, it's an open goal because in each. Of the four seasons they have a girl on the team mm. you know why not have a love triangle with two of the fellas I think yeah I think they attention. just they just didn't really they obviously didn't want to kind of go down that direction with it yeah um, and even like it's never it, it like every every scene seems to take place either in the cafe or just at the, the pitches <laughs> like you know just have some something in school, you know, just just to mix it the, up a uh, bit, like right. That I, I'm really struggling not to just rant about everything, but that that cafe, the fact that the owner thinks he's Elvis or loves Elvis <laughs> or what have you, what a stupid conceit that is for a kid show. Because <laughs> in 1998, yeah. what 12 year old kids really loved was adults pretending they were Elvis. <laughs> what, there'll have been kids watching that show who won't have even known who Elvis was. Um, I, I, I just want to. So, okay, so before we go into kind of too many of the kind of specific things, um, I'll just I'll, I'll pull back a little bit because I kind of want to talk about. Well, firstly, I mean, I don't disagree with you guys that it's not 
very good. Um, I I found it interesting to look at this and to try and think about why I maybe thought it was good at the time. Now, at the time, by the time this came on, I was already too old for it because this started in 98, so I would have been like 15. So I was a little past the target audience for it. Um, and I, I think it was a show that I probably kind of caught bits of rather than kind of sitting down and kind of regularly watching and so i think the bits that i saw of it were enough to get a sense of the things that i would have liked about it and the things that i would have liked about it were i mean firstly the fact that it's about football uh secondly the soundtrack because it's full of Britpop singles on the, on the soundtrack um thirdly holly davidson <laughs> fourthly uh, the fact that the goalkeeper wore philosophy football shirts, which I used to see advertised in When Saturday Comes when Saturday and wanted comes, yeah. loads of myself. I eventually, uh, I think the only one I've ever got round to buying was I, when I was at uni, I had a Lev Yashin, the one that's about um, the joy of seeing Yuri Gagarin flying in space is only superseded by the joy of a good penalty save. Um, I always wanted to get the Shankly one and never got around to it, but because they're so expensive. Anyway, um, so uh, you know, so so there were things, there were things I think about the trappings of the show that I that it's the kind of thing that if you see a bit of it, you go, oh, that's that football sitcom that's you know that's got the philosophy football shirts and has got the good music and has got Holly Davidson in it. So I, I had a sense of having quite liked it. And so I've always kind of had that kind of affectionate memory of it. And I remember things like, you know, whenever you see Lucy Punch show up in something, whether it's um, Hot Fuzz or when she was she was cast originally in the pilot of um, a show called Powers, which was based on a Brian Michael Bendis comic that I really liked. It eventually got made into a not very good TV show, but she was originally cast in the pilot. And I was like, I can't believe that the girl who was the second girl on Renford Rejects is now playing the lead <laughs> in an American comic book TV adaptation. It's things like that. And in fact, it was I wrote an article years and years ago um, that that uh, was probably one of the most read things that I've written about about football and football culture uh, that that tracked down the various cast members and what they were up to, and it was inspired by Lucy Punch having been cast in that pilot. So, you know, I've I, I've kind of had this liking for all of these these trappings and stuff. Um, and I, and speaking of the trappings, one of the first things, Dave, that I am just going to pick you up on is when you said about the thing of wearing the Chelsea shirt and the Barcelona shorts. I'm sorry, that is completely accurate for a for a teenage boy, like. When when you're a kid, you have bits of football kits, and you wear a shirt. You nobody, you know, unless you, you're like twelve, you don't wear a full kit. You wear whatever you you have around. I, I'm totally fine with that. And I think in general, um, I think the person on the show who had the best attention to detail and was the best at their job was the person who was responsible for costume and wardrobe, because you know I think they they're always good and pretty spot on with the shirts that they've got the characters wearing they mix them up there's 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 good shirts in there they always seem to be right for whatever team the 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 characters would support or whatever and you've got all of the choices of the philosophy football shirts that always that always work well so i i think that's one of the the better elements of the show on that did you notice that when martin keon played for the razors like their their kit is a an ill-fitting 
kind of tent made made by a brand called Pro Star, but he had the Pro Star <laughs> logo covered over with a Puma logo because <laughs> he wore he wore Puma boots. So obviously that was yeah, uh, he was obviously <laughs> yeah. Is that that's the episode with Zola in as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where Zola plays like a hard man and Martin Keown has silky skills. <laughs> but I, one of the, like, Lucy Punch was one of the things I picked up on that I actually liked because I think she's excellent. The soundtrack, though, like, I don't know if you've, when you go back and realise, it was all songs that were good two years before they were actually on Rent for Three Jacks. So, yeah, I mean, that's fair. You know, like, it comes out in 19... Was it 1998 we said it starts? And nearly every song in the sort of five episodes I ended up consuming came out in 1995, 1996 or 1997. So obviously the people who were writing it or coming up, you know, whoever was doing the music on it, had a pretty highly specific taste don't get me wrong a couple of absolute belters on there it pet shop boys serve it with, i forget which tune it is but it's one of my favorites of theirs that's on there and uh and a few others but it, it's it's just i don't know if the thing is seb i think it just feels so unsatisfying as a whole mm. i think it's the the lack of the sort of characters and the really paint by numbers plot I mean, of each yeah. one. The, the, the issue is definitely, and this is the thing that really struck me watching it back, is you you would kind of accept that uh, a sitcom kind of about football, and particularly about like kids' football, effectively, you would kind of accept that the football side of it wouldn't look very good. And the football side of it is like routinely dreadful yeah but i'm kind of okay with that in the set you know the football never looked good in jossie's giants but you you forgive it partly because it's about a, a ramshackle rubbish kids team um and you know it's just we know it's difficult to film football it's difficult to film football if you've got a hollywood budget never mind a nickelodeon sitcom budget you would forgive that if either if if you thought the general wider sense of it knowing about football was better but yeah i think i think beyond very superficial stuff and and you know the i mean okay this is us being nerds but like the jokes are very obvious the mm. um uh, you know yes they get kind of people to guess and sometimes they get kind of you know, not the most famous players to guess, but it still does, just does seem to be who could we get rather than we're going to get someone because we have a specific joke to make about them. Like I, I quite like the Casey Keller appearance, um, but it's ridiculous that a group of teen footballers where football is their obsession um, would meet Casey Keller, even in like 98, 99, when he wasn't like at the peak of his fame, but that they wouldn't know who Casey Keller was and that just just because he's an American, they would think he was an American football player. It's like he's one, at that, certainly at that point, he's one of the most well-known American soccer players that there's pretty much ever been. And so it's like, you know, it's it's that that side of it irritates because you, you never really buy that the team are actually, you know, interested in or knowledgeable about football. But I do think that a lot of yeah. that stuff is stuff that you could get away with if the sitcom side of it was funnier. And it's and it's not. And it's not that kids' sitcoms can't be funny. Like, kids' aim sitcoms are entirely capable of being oh, actively absolutely. funny 
in their own right. Um, And this just is not at all. Um, and and then it sort of it starts to I think it's kind of starts out okay like the first episode I think is fine and kind of sets things up reasonably well and I actually think I mean I genuinely I think there's a point at which the series drops off a cliff and it's and it's after the second I think from a sort of credibility point of view I think the first two seasons are okay like. The first season is all relatively grounded and close, and like you've got the idea of like the character who's into like he wants to be like an anchor man and he makes his own like home videos and stuff. You've got at the end of series one, at the start of series two, you've actually got a carryover where Holly Davidson's character actually appears at the start of series two and is involved in the plot line that hands over to the character of Sue coming in, and like Robin goes off and like gets a trial at Chelsea Ladies, and it's like it kind of ends, you know, and they film at Stamford Bridge, and it's like that actually all kind of makes sense. Um, you get you start to get kind of sillier plot lines as series two goes on, but series three opens with an episode called Masterclass that is about the cafe getting turned like so so um, uh, um, Eddie the the cafe owner becomes their their manager at the start of series three and he turns the cafe into a fitness center. And all of a sudden, the show starts acting like this school five-a-side team are, like, a famous football team. Yeah, and they're and on that, normal telly. You know? And they're on proper telly, and, yeah. like, they have fans and stuff. And it's like, but that's not the premise of the show. And that is the point where it just absolutely... The sitcom side of it just gets more and more ridiculous, and the football side of it gets even more and more ridiculous and then we go into series 4 which starts with the beat the they're in like the European or world beach volleyball <sighs> not beach football championships and it's just it's lost all sense of being at least this slightly grounded sitcom about a group of friends a group of school friends who play football it just it just really sort of and it would be fine if the show had had a kind of better sense of the absurd throughout and if this was all quite heightened ridiculousness it would get away with it more but it but it really doesn't it's like it's like are they all participating in like a shared delusion or something yeah absolutely um just to go back to uh you mentioned casey keller as a guest uh, star I think was it the same episode Peter Shilton was on yes. and he wanted to be a striker T-Rex but he was arms. still dressed like a goalkeeper yeah this is what, like, this is what I mean about that's not a bad like, joke I thought that's that's a quite good joke actually you get Peter Shilton in because you want him to play in goal and Peter Shilton turns around and goes I've always wanted to be a striker can I play up front and he's absolutely terrible up front that's a good joke that's one of the best jokes that I've seen the show do but, oh I don't mind that joke <laughs> but why is he still dressed in a goalkeeper yeah. kit and goalkeeper pants but it, again it's just that it, it's just that general feeling of lack of attention. The the closing credits yeah. come up and special guest stars. Casey Keller's spelt wrong. And that, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they spell it with a C, C isn't isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. that's the sort of thing that I mean, like, I, I I can forgive credit mistakes because I see how they happen, but I know, I know what you mean. It's yeah, but I, but I um, I would suggest it's probably very rare it happens with a guest star. That is, mm. you know, in it to try and propel it up a notch and show, you know, look proper footballer, etc. It's it's mm. those little bits where you just like, 
it it just it feels like it starts off with semi good intentions, mm. but without the like I said, without the football inspector involved. But then as you get yeah. to like that that episode, um it it just feels like they've almost not not stopped caring, but it feels like they're in that world of some children's T V where it's just churn him out really quickly yeah <laughs> you know yeah. just get him done yeah. that one's done right we'll film an, another whole episode in the morning um <laughs> and the problem is that you see all of that on screen don't you you feel mm. every minute of that on screen it's not like anything is hidden away because you can make really really good tv really really good quickly for very little budget but this ain't it chief <laughs> Um, they, I mean that, that that to me is most evident when when you get to that that fourth series. And as I say, I mean the the, the program is clearly on its uppers by that point. Um, and like one of the, the the that first episode that's the the beach volleyball one. I keep calling it beach volleyball, the beach football one. It might as well be beach volleyball for all the relevance that football has to the to the plot. And that's the episode where they decide to turn. Well, it's where they've they've actually made Terry. A, a, a member of the regular cast like he's in the opening titles at that point and they they make him as the enemy like that him and his dad are like the comedy blundering bad guys for that fourth series and that and that first episode is dreadful but the fascinating thing about that and this this kind of i think to me sums up part of the part of the i don't okay i hate ascribing like an, an attitude or or um you know a kind of a motivation to things but the biggest thing that gives me a sense of will this do about the show particularly at that point is that beach football episode obviously was not intended to be the first episode of series four and the reason that i know that is did either of you watch any other episodes of series four apart from that first one hell no i watched the one with keon and right oh was that series four then i did watch that yeah yeah right so in the first episode of series four, the Renford it opens with the Renford rejects playing in a beach football tournament, and all of a sudden they have a guy on their team who has never been mentioned before. In the course of that whole episode, nobody ever says that the character's name is Dennis, and he has about one line of dialogue. And there is no explanation for why he's there, who he is, or why Stuart, who has been a major character in the show for the previous three series, why he suddenly disappeared. He is not mentioned. And I went back and checked the last couple of episodes of series three to check whether Stuart's departure was covered. And it isn't. Like, the the series just ends at the end of series three and there's no kind of, you know, Stuart's leaving plotline or anything. So I thought, okay, what's obviously happened here is they've bumped the beach football episode to be episode one because for whatever reason they think it's the best one to start with which in itself is a ludicrous mm-hmm. decision because it's such a bad episode and it's like if this is your your one that's going out first so you've yeah. got serious problems so i started watching episode two and in episode two dennis is there i think his ne- i think he gets a bit more dialogue in episode two not much but a bit more and i think his name might get said at one point but not in any kind of introductory way just like someone might say Dennis at one point. It's like, okay, that character's called Dennis. Now I know that after having had an entire episode with him. Episode three, once again, no explanation for who he is, no explanation for where Stuart is. Episode four, the same. All of a sudden, episode five starts 
with a mention of the fact that the rejects have got a new manager and his name is Dennis and Mia is trying to impress him so that she gets picked for the team and he does an interview with Vinny where he talks about changing things and how and it finally gets mentioned that he is the new new in episode 5 the new caretaker manager <laughs> of the rejects while Stuart is away so it's patently obvious that the episode that went out as number five was made as number one. Now, obviously, episode orders get changed around in things for all kinds of reasons. But to have a show where you've got a fundamental change to to the, the makeup of the show and you've got references to somebody being new, to let that episode go out fifth after four episodes where this character has been in place, that is what says to me... We did not give a shit about this program when we were putting it out. <laughs> and maybe the broadcast order was Nickelodeon's decision and the people who made it, you know, that wouldn't have been what they wanted to do. But you feel like someone somewhere should have said, look, at the very least, can we not ADR a bit of dialogue over some of the footage in the in the beach football episode to say, oh, here's our new, here's our new guy, Dennis. Like, they don't even think to do that. And I know it's a kids sitcom and, you know, I think, you know, again, without wanting to ascribe motivations, like the attitude would just be, oh, it's just a kids sitcom. Who's going to notice? Like they'll all get shown out of order. They'll be repeated at random times. No one's going to follow it. But there is a, you know, there is a big difference between great kids shows and bad kids shows. And, you know, we talked before about Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell has the exact same problem. It has the Tory problem in its final season, which, if you don't know that oh, story, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was when uh, they filmed a, a half-length final season and then the order got upped to more episodes, but they hadn't renewed everybody's contract. And Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Elizabeth Berkeley said no, so they had to make half a season of episodes with a brand new character called Tory. And then when... But because they'd already filmed... The the last episode with everybody leaving they broadcast the last season alternating um kelly and jesse episodes with tory episodes with no explanation for where tory had come from or why kelly and jesse weren't in those episodes so maybe renford rejects was doing a bit of a tribute to that but anyway but my point is is that it's possible for a kid's show to still have enough attention to detail to care about some semblance of continuity and with Renford Rejects after as I say you know they handled the changeover of Robin leaving and and Sue arriving and then even from series two to three there's a very brief mention at the start of series three Sue has left they're looking for a new player Mia's going to join the team they at least bother to cover it but aside from that you know the way that it handles it from series three to four is just ludicrous um can we get uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Elizabeth Berkeley to solve the UK's Tory problem? <laughs> <laughs> no one can solve the UK's Tory problem. <laughs> um, but like um, Terry and the father, they start off as, you know, the antagonists. They're interested in their team and they're just kind of bullying the, re- the rejects just because they bully everyone else. But then by that season four episode, the two of them are getting a flight to Spain to actively sabotage almost like like fucking um Wiley Coyote and yeah, Roadrunner. Dick Dastley you know, and Motley, they, isn't they, it? they almost kill him like um and of course they end up, you know, making shit of themselves. But it's it's just fucking bizarre. <laughs> um and then obviously you mentioned the soundtrack and it is songs in it are pretty good. 
but I would love to uh, to see the minutes of the the meeting where they were like, okay, guys, what do we have as this theme tune for a series about a group of teenagers who are friends and get on well and are trying to fight against the odds? I know. How about the one written by the guy who was struggling to deal with life after one of his friend's cars was found at Severn Bridge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that, but it's yeah. that. It's the whole thing right from... I mean, when they did care in the early seasons it still feels like they didn't and some of the stuff is just there, there's a joke which actively made me want to punch the screen really early on in the very <laughs> first episode which is when the goalkeeper tries out for the school team obviously he lets in three or four one goes through his legs and stoker says uh let me get it exactly right goalkeeper goal sleeper more like i mean what does that even mean there's so many <laughs> jokes like actual football things you could say there and so many things that would a be funny and b be relevant but goal sleeper it doesn't relate to anything it's not it's not a pun it's not a punchline goal sleeper and goalkeeper are completely different things they don't pun on each other it's just it just doesn't work and I think genuinely, probably like, I think that's about two and a half minutes into episode one. That was the moment I thought, I hate this. And I just, I just couldn't get over it. Holly Davidson as well said, I, I, you know, I could imagine falling in love with her if I was 12 years old, but I was trying to figure out where I knew her from. And she, she's a girl in the, absolutely dreadful Van Wilder, Van Wilder she is, sequel. She, that, that's the thing she's probably most... The two things she's most well-known for are being Sadie Frost's sister yeah. and uh, being in that dreadful Van Wilder... The Van Wilder film that didn't have Ryan Reynolds yeah. in it. Well, Van Wilder, Parsley <laughs> is a proper sort of guilty pleasure film. I mean, it's terrible, but it's got some absolutely quality jokes in it. You know, it's like... It's your American Pie level of guilty pleasure but the uh, the sequel yeah it's not got ryan reynolds in it and taj moves into a like you know one of those weird american fraternities and she's one of the girls who lives there because i spent i literally spent ages trying to place and i had to look it up and i always pride myself on trying to (laughs) trying to remember where they're from like one of the other players i remembered him from a a very brief uh, appearance in the very underrated BBC Three sitcom Him and Her, um, but yeah, I it, it, she to me she'll never be a Renford reject. She'll always be. <laughs> I know. She, see, for, for me, it's the complete opposite. It's anything else she turned up in, which she hasn't acted for. She was in the Bill for a bit as well, but it's like yeah, she's always oh, it's it's Robin from from Renford rejects. Uh, but yeah, it's it just that that lack of attention and like you say by the time they get to that beach football episode Seb, i mean i it, for I mean, me it was nigh on unwatchable <laughs> it, it, that, i mean i i didn't get to the end of that one i started skipping through that one because it was yeah i i was uh, by by the by when i was skipping through i was only skipping through to try and find out if they actually mentioned dennis's name and introduced and explained his character at any point um you you mentioned it before uh uh, and it kind of i think one of the things i remembered quite liking about the show was that it had this character who was a, a blonde poetry writing 
goalkeeper with glasses because you know that was me as a teenager you know he he was the character from the bits i saw of it when i was a kid who i would have identified with the most a fact which now horrifies me because i think with the possible exception of 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 ronnie in the first couple of series um i think that um ben the is the worst thing about the show he's <sighs> such an appalling character with no likable characteristics whatsoever i mean that none of them are particularly likable i think i think i mean despite the fact that he kind of starts off with this terrible posh accent that he then gives up on i think stewart's all right stewart seems like a decent sort. yeah i would um, agree but um but but ben is just appalling and like they he's just not funny um although i i i kind of uh, i'm i'm i was quite but again when i went and did that article uh looking at where everybody was like charlie Rowland has not acted for many many years um he basically gave up his acting career to sort of settle down and have a more normal career and look after his family and stuff um at the time that i looked him up he was working as a claims team manager um working with bike insurance like motorbike insurance uh for hastings direct but he's now a mortgage and protection advisor uh but he's in he's based in Hove, Dave. He's, oh, he's, all right. uh, he's lived all on right. the south coast since 2003. He's he's, he's based in Hove. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he looks he looks happy looking at his LinkedIn page. He's, he's obviously you know content with his lot in life. I'm I'm sure that he is much nicer in real life than Ben is in the show. Um, I think I should Ben just has his head in in the clouds and like I said at start, there's never any character development. Like mm. that one. I mean, what was it? The Zola and Keon one where. Or I'm gonna become a boy scout. Like fucking <laughs> hell! Like I can oh, I can geez. forgive sitcoms that don't develop the characters because it's kind of, I it's a kind of an accepted thing with sitcom that you know some sitcoms are about developing the characters as they go on other sitcoms are about the end of every episode resets everything to how it was at the start because that's how the sitcom works i I don't mind that and i think you can forgive that in a kid's sitcom i think the issue is more none of the characters start off in a place that's particularly funny or interesting it's like what what is jason's personality beyond being a bit arrogant the only one who's kind of got much of a memorable personality is is um is bruno and it's like that that's and he's the thing that everyone remembers from the show it's like oh it had that character who pretended to be italian but it's such a i mean again if the show was leaning into being absurd in a more general sense, it might be okay. But particularly in those early episodes, which are trying to be a bit more grand, if what you're looking at is a kid who spends all day, every day, speaking in a stereotypical Italian accent, pretending that he's Italian. And like, so yeah, in the. It's, it's a mental illness. Yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And in the second episode, uh, which I don't know if you, any of you watched episode two of series one, but it's worth that one's worth watching for a, a particularly interesting facet, which is that basically Bruno gets threatened with being beaten up by Terry and one of Terry's heavies, um, and it ultimately leads to a ridiculous plot line where they get uh, they get um, Eddie to dress up as a mafioso and the, and the Godfather music plays and he pretends that he actually is connected to the mafia and it's nonsense. But Terry's uh, heavy. Is played by one James Corden. Yeah, yeah, I knew. <laughs> but that actually was far from the worst plotline. Like Eddie pretending yeah. to be a mafioso. <laughs> like that says more about the show. But actually, do you remember? Um, you mightn't. The episode where Bruno lost his mojo and just reverted to being Barry. 
Um, I've heard about that one, yes. but I, I didn't actually watch that one. <laughs> and he, like his his default accent is kind of brummy, even though yeah. the show is supposed to be in London. But they, uh, they're not characters. They're just a list of traits on mm. a whiteboard somewhere, aren't they? That's that's the yeah. thing. And yeah. I mean, some of them are. It's like really lazily stereotypical, and it just it just grates. And it again, I, like, I know I'm banging on about the same thing, but he he's wearing his the goalkeeper's wearing his football philosophy t-shirts and what have you. But he spends half the, half the games he's wearing them, and in other games he's wearing a goalkeeper top. So are you wearing a goalkeeper top when you play for the rejects, or are you just mm. wearing a normal t-shirt and gloves? And it's little stuff like that that. Again, I know I remember twelve year old me. He was great. But that that's the sort of thing that wouldn't genuinely it wouldn't have got past me. It would have properly annoyed me. The the, the whole city top is uh you know, the whole city tops are real, the Chelsea tops are real, there are other football shirts in it that are real. But Bruno's Italian shirts are always those uh do you remember when there was that spate, <laughs> that fashion in like your top shops and River Islands to do mm. these retro football shirts so you'd get like a yellow shirt with a green collar and that was brazil and there'd be the plain blue one with a really really simple italy badge on it he's always got something like that on and it, it's stuff like that it's just nothing seems to to sit together as a whole you've just got all these disparate undeveloped things wandering around in a in a plot that is sort of wafer thin <laughs> at the very very best of times I mean we've sat and talked for an hour about the worst thing James Corden has ever been in and I mean that's that's a that's a low bar this uh, uh, like I say I just there's so something else that annoyed me because I just ended up writing down a list of annoyances in, in the beach episode they've got Bob Wilson and Jim Rosenthal there doing it for terrestrial TV because we're all interested in this competition. A, what TV channel on earth is picking that up? And B, <laughs> why have they got two anchors? They're both anchors at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why didn't they just get one and get a pundit, get an ex-footballer and his pundit? If you can get Shilton way back in episode whatever it was, you can pick up even a fairly nondescript ex-footballer just so that you've got... A, a, a more normal structure to try and work a couple of gags round rather than basically two anchormen who the conceit seems to be that they just want to go to watch this tournament so they can get pissed it's in a kids <laughs> show it's just it's ah oh, it's just it's so annoying <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna. Um, it's funny actually. As, as a side note, I was just I was I was skimming through a couple of things on YouTube to see things to remind me of. I've just found one where um, Ben is actually wearing the same Yuri Gagarin philosophy football shirt that I did the Lev Yashin one that I owned. Um, I want to challenge you both to tell me something that you liked about Renford Rejects. And something that you unequivocally liked and enjoyed. Are you going first, Dave? No, I need some thinking time. <laughs> <sighs> I 
I mean, surely, like Dennis, you, you've got to agree with me that aside from the thing about um, the the knockoff kits for for Bruno, the some of, some of the choices of kits were good. I mean that 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 Hull shirt that uh, that Jason's wearing throughout the the first series or the, so. The dark red away, yeah, yeah. I look, I I didn't completely hate um, Eddie's wife. You know, being an unseen character, I know it was completely unoriginal. You bastard. That's <laughs> um, literally the only thing I was clinging <laughs> to. Because the best gag, the only gag in the whole thing that made me smile is when he's manager and she's got the hot dog stand and she's you can't see her head because it's <laughs> behind the unseen, hot dog yeah. sign. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of something else now. Uh. That, I I th- I think the I know you were, you were kind of critical of him before. I I think the Eddie stuff generally is is quite good because like like Alex Norton is a good actor who's like I mean I think he's he's best known for he was he was like he was in Taggart like it was he like was he the one who was I don't know if he was the lead but he was in Taggart after Taggart had died and it was just about other characters. Um, He's giving it his all, I think. I, I think you can, you know, it's fair to say. <laughs> I I wouldn't disagree with that, and I think some of the some of the musical cues are pretty good. Um, you know, some are sort of. There are occasional times where it veers to try and use a, an appropriate piece of music, and that often works. But it, the thing, I, the reason I'm struggling with, and I hate just saying something is just absolute crap for an hour. But it's just all so lazy. That's my problem with it. It it also, and and kids TV doesn't have to be like that at all, you know. And this isn't a sort of rose tinted spectacle thing because mm. I have to watch a lot of uh, TV with my nine year old daughter now, and it's. I mean, as I said, some of it is genuinely really funny, mm. <laughs> you know, really, really funny. And it, so it, that's what I keep coming back to with this. It doesn't have to be like this and it just grates on me. So, but yeah, I wouldn't disagree on that. So I think that's, that's, and like Dennis said, the long running gag of not being able to see his wife's face, I think works and is funny, but that genuinely for me, that is, that is about it. I mean, okay. So, so can you, I mean, I think part of the issue with us, I think, just not clicking with it is... I, th- I think definitely it's something where if you had liked it at the time, you you are, you know, you, I think you're going to have... I mean, you said, you know, before, Dave, that sort of 12-year-old Dave would have still got annoyed with, like... Mm. But not, not everyone's as pedantic as us. And, like, I mean, can, can you see in this a show that if you're... 12 and you're you know you get on enough with the football conceit and you you like the kind of the setting of it can, can, can you see the show that people like or, or does it just baffle you that anyone would have enjoyed this even as a kid no it, it baffles me to be honest i i think <laughs> i know i'm coming across as just like properly overtly negative but it's we we're a generation who grew up on things like um Grange Hill or Bike Grove or Maid Marion or then further on, you know, things like Spats. This is so far below any of that stuff. And I know what you said about revisiting Spats, but I, I, I'm almost certain it would still be a hell of a lot better than this was. Because this just feels like somebody's had an idea 
the channel's giving them a rough budget. Right, go and get ten episodes as quickly as you possibly can out of it. And I just, I just can't, I can't get past that. And I think it's the thing is the 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 annoying thing is, and I think Dennis touched on this earlier, is that the idea for a kids show is is a really good one. You know, it's mm. it's Josh's Giants did something similar. The sort of disparate band of you know footballers rejected by other people and you know they aren't the best and what have you that's a that's a well-trodden path we we all sit here and have read a lot of football comics in our time and what have you that is a a trope that works we all know that and Mm. this is just done in such a way as it just kills the premise stone dead for me (laughs) like and and in a literal sense from the first episode do you know what they should have done do you know what they should have done they should have just bought the rights to um, fucking, what was it called? Barnes United yeah. or Tommy's Troubles. Is that it? Yeah, Tommy's Troubles <laughs> just, would have been just, better. Like, <laughs> it was gentle stuff. There was a couple of gags, but it was enjoyable. So we talked a little bit about the, the shirts that the that the characters wear throughout the show, but I'm mindful that, that I, I can't let the discussion go without us just talking a little bit about that, that infamous reject kit because that that purple and black striped colour scheme was was striking and I think one of the most memorable things about the show. Um, first of all, Dennis, just purely from a, you know, where, where does it rank for you in terms of fictional football teams' colour schemes? Um, Just as a point of order, was it more purple and navy than purple and black? I guess, or yeah. am I looking yeah. it wrong? Um, like, it, it, it's not it's not horrific, like, the, the colours don't fully complement each other, but you know, they 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 go to they go well together. You know, to a degree, and then they have the gold uh, sponsorship, providing a bit of contrast. Um, one thing on that is why they're still sponsored by Supra Drain even after Ronnie Supra has left. Ronnie has left, yeah. Especially yeah, seeing as Ronnie comes back for one third series episode, and and basically almost helps like helps the team go under before kind of say like he he comes back and he's a total dickhead and he's going to like buy their ground and sell it for development and stuff and then eventually like <laughs> relents and he and he buys it for them and they, but it's just like it's just weird it's a it's a weird episode that one, um but a badly written episode yeah what but in terms of in terms of fictional football teams. Uh, obviously, it's nowhere near the red and yellow of Melchester. Of course, it's. I I I would actually rank it just above the purple of Harchester, just because it's it's just a bit more of an interesting. That was a terrible kit, Harchester's uh, kit. Yeah, that was the worst thing like, about that program. But they did that because it was an easy thing to CGI onto onto Chelsea kits, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but just just make the team blue rather than giving yourself the extra trouble of changing the blue to purple. Um. Um and what other fictional teams um am I trying to compare them to? Uh, what about the light blue of Dave Story in Scorer? <laughs> oh yeah, that, that was a very kind of just. Were they called Tolcaster? Very workmanlike kid, wasn't it? Um, there wasn't wasn't much excitement to it, and then the Warriors was kind of like the opposite. The war in the sun was the opposite of Melchester, mm. um, but it didn't work as well. Um. And just on, on, I'm curious as to if anything occurs to you in answer to this. Can you can you think of any any pr- either precedents or or post examples of a team wearing the same colour scheme as as the Renford Rejects? Uh, 
Are you going to say the 2012-13 Arsenal away shirt? Um, oh, I didn't. I didn't know that one actually. That was, was hoops rather than. Spikes. Oh, it was the hooped one. Oh, oh I've, well, you dreadful. see, there is a, that was dreadful. There is a yeah, better one. That was horrific. There is a kit that I'd never yeah. seen before um, from a couple of years ago that is basically the Renford Rejects kit. And if I don't know if you recall it or if you want to quickly Google it, but it is Everton. An English team. It was yeah. It was Everton's 2017 to 18 third kit. Give it a Google. It literally is the Redford Regis. It's a fluorescent greeny yellow rather than gold, but it's still basically it still basically looks like the Renford Rejects kit. It's astonishingly close. <laughs> yeah, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. I can't or believe I didn't other, see that before. <laughs> the other one, um, and it's actually from a similar time, would be the Coventry, I think 98, 99 away. Yes, I remember um, that kit. That's that's a nice kit. <laughs> I like that kit. Yeah. Oh yeah, I see the one you mean. Yeah. You do. I do wonder. Like, I mean, I, I know I've sort of attacked this program for having, <laughs> like, nobody taking a proper interest in it. But you do wonder if the kit was the one thing that there was a level of thought went into. Yeah. Because yeah. it is. I mean, it. Again, if you want me a positive from the show, Seb, the kit. It was all right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Although I'm 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 it not I'm not right. so sure about Terry Stoker's dedication to wearing his razors kit like literally all the yeah. time. There's like, what are they? They're in the orange, aren't they? Yeah, a very Dutch kind of orange shirts, black shorts. Yeah, but with Which the word isn't, razors. Uh, like I'm really surprised there. That's that's not a, like a villain color. I'm surprised they didn't go for like some black kit or something really yeah. cliched. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, again, that might have required thought. Um, <laughs> so, well, we've given we've given the Renford rejects as as thorough a kicking as the Razors ever gave them. I think uh, I, it, it's fair to say, and, you know, and I, I was kind of disappointed going back to it because I think I I expected to have kind of a fonder reaction to it. I thought, yeah, I thought at least, I thought yeah. what I would do is I would go back and watch it and think, yeah, this isn't very good, but I can see why it was liked. And actually, what I didn't expect was for at times for it to be actively difficult to watch, um, and that's a shame. Um, is it better or worse than when Saturday comes? Oh, you bastard! <laughs> I the thing about when Saturday comes is when Saturday comes is lazy in another way because when we did that podcast that film just makes me so angry in how it portrays the north more than anything and the city mm. it's supposed to be about um but I tell you what I tell you what is a shout I don't think the football action in when Saturday comes and Renford rejects I don't think one's better than the other you know, I, I, they're about the same level, to be perfectly honest with you. But I, th- I, I would rather watch a full series of Renford Rejects than watch when Saturday comes again. I think genuinely. Well, there you go. There you yeah, go. I got you to say something positive about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Renford Rejects doesn't have Mel Sterling getting on the end of his own free kick. Yeah, yeah. but that's the. That, when Saturday comes actually made me angry, whereas with Renford Rejects, it's, it just annoyed me throughout. So I'll take annoyance over outright anger. There you go. 
<laughs> Put that on the DVD case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, thanks for uh, thanks Dennis and Dave for your for your views on that that beloved <laughs> series of so many many of our listeners. Uh, thanks to those of you who've listened, those of you who haven't turned off um, in 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 fury after we we started laying into this. Um, I genuinely though, I mean, if if people are listening to this and and were much bigger fans of the show than than we turned out to be, um, I'd love to hear people's kind of thoughts and you know uh, we'll we'll happily sort of read and share on Twitter kind of positive reactions to. Yeah, it, I, think, I, I, would know, too. Um, I would too. I would too. Because I hate I hate being this negative about something, but I it, it just nothing rang true for us. So I would like mm. to. It would be nice to actually see one or two people say, "Yeah, you know, I absolutely loved it." Yeah. Yeah, and if Holly Davidson wants to get in touch, that's okay. <laughs> if you uh, if you have enjoyed listening to this, uh, if this is your first time, you can find uh, all the episodes at beyondthetouchline.co.uk. Uh, we are also uh, in all the usual podcast places. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter as a podcast. We are at BTTL Podcast. Um, I'm at Seb Patrick. Dave is David Hartrick, and Dennis is Dennis underscore Hurley. Uh, but yes, thank, thanks as ever for listening, and we'll see you next time when when football will hopefully be back as well. See you then. See ya. Bye. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.